that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? If you're a Christian, what's the most important thing that you have to have? Well, a lot of people would answer that question differently. A lot of people would say, well, I got to have a church home. You got to have love. You got to have Jesus Christ. You got to have salvation. But I'm, the, the most important thing you have to have, if you're a Christian, is the spirit of God dwelling inside of you. That is the most important thing. Because, you see, without that, you can't really be a real Christian without the Spirit of God. Now, let me show you what I mean. Romans 8 and verse 9. It says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, what you can do without the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. You can do a lot. You can go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday. You can talk religion. You can uh, think you have a relationship with God. You can, you know, a lot of people, I know I'm saved. There's a lot of things you can do without the Spirit of God. So the real question is, the real question is not what church do you go to? What denomination do you belong to? Did you know that in the Bible, the word Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, none, none of those words are ever in the Bible? When someone asks me what church I belong to, I basically tell them I belong to the church that Jesus Christ started 2,000 years ago with his disciples. What church do you belong to? Anyway, so the real question is not what church do you go to? What denomination do you go to? Are you saved? Do you love Jesus? Have you given your heart to the Lord? The real question is, the most important question is, do you have the Spirit of God inside of you? That's the most important question if you are a Christian. Now, when I say the Spirit of God, I'm not talking about a tongue's language. I'm not talking about speaking in some kind of gibberish that no one understands. That is not proof that you have the Spirit of God. Making a fool of yourself is not proof that you have the Spirit of God. So this, this gibberish language that no one can understand, speaking in tongues, as they call it, which they don't even understand what the word tongue means. It means languages. But that's, that's not where I'm going today. What I'm saying is, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. All right. Now, this is the question. This is a million-dollar question right here. Did your church sit you down and explain to you, this is the way, this is the process for receiving the Spirit of God? Did they explain that to you? Did they explain that there is an absolute way for you to receive the Spirit of God? That you're not supposed to go through your life just assuming Oh, I have the Spirit of God. Yeah, 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 I got that, yeah. Yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I got the Spirit of God. No, did your church sit you down and explain the method, the way to receive the Spirit of God? Because there is an absolute way. 
Now, here's the thing. Often the Spirit leads us, but that's not the same as having the Spirit of God. You see, being under conviction, uh, a desire to know God, a desire to surrender to God and be baptized, all of this is what I call being led by the Spirit. The Spirit leads us. The Spirit convicts us. The Spirit guides and directs us to a certain point. But the next step is, once you've been led by the Spirit, now listen, once you've been led by the Spirit, the next critical step is receiving the Spirit of God inside of you. Okay? Did your church explain that to you? Now, most churches stop at being led by the Spirit. They assume being led by means that most people assume that because I feel something here, because I'm led by the Spirit, I must have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of me. No. No, there's another step you've got to go through. It's a critical step where you actually receive the Spirit of God. Did, again, did your church sit you down and say, now that you have come to this point, now that the Spirit has led you to this point where you desire to have a relationship with God, this is how you receive the Spirit of God. And this is what we're going to, we're going to lead you through a process that will guarantee that you have, that God gives you His Spirit. Did your church explain that to you? Now let's take a look at some verses here in the Bible. Acts 8 and verse 14. It says, now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Now notice this. Here are people who had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. For as yet, he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, here were people who had heard the Word of God. They had been baptized in the name of Jesus, but they didn't have the Spirit of God. All right, what's the next step for receiving the Spirit of God? Verse 17, Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, my point is this. There was an absolute way to go about this. They had heard the name of Jesus. They had heard the word. They had received, they had been baptized in the name of Jesus, but they had not yet received the Spirit of God. This is why I'm saying there's an absolute way for you to receive the Spirit of God. Now, do you have the Holy Spirit of God? Is my question. Look, look at Acts 9 and verse 1. And it came to pass that while the uh, Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said to, him, to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Now, most religious people have heard of the Spirit of God, but they really don't know what it is. Now, let me explain what the Spirit of God is. It is God's DNA. It is a piece of, 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 of God's DNA that He gives you through His Spirit at baptism, at the laying on of hands, after you have repented. You've accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You repented of your sins, which is the breaking of God's law. And a minister lays his hands on your head and says, this child stands before you clean, 
give this person a portion of your spirit. That's the moment of conception. So it's the power to transform your life on the inside. There is a spirit in man, and God's spirit unites at that point with your spirit. And they come together to create a process. It's a process to create a new creature in Christ. And, and that spirit is God's, basically, it's God's DNA, a piece of, a part of God's DNA. It's what the spirit of God is. Now, let's continue on. These people said, well, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And he said to them, unto what were you baptized? And they said to him, into John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a critical step here, baptism in the name of Christ Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hand upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Yeah, this was the moment of conception. Uh, the Spirit of God, through the laying on of hands, they received the Spirit of God. Now, let me explain this, because it says they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, you've got to understand the meaning behind the gift. What is this speak with tongues? Well, the word means languages. They spoke in different languages. Why? Well, for that answer, you've got to ask, well, what's the meaning behind a gift? Why does God even give a gift in the first place, such as tongues, the ability to communicate? You know, this was, back then, the most common gift that was given, the gift of languages. Now, why? Again, you've got to ask, well, what was the meaning behind the gift? They had been told, the disciples, to go ye therefore into all the world and to preach and to teach and uh, make disciples. But th there was just one little problem. We can't communicate to everybody around the world. We've got a barrier here with communicating to these different dialects and different people that we meet. And so the day of Pentecost comes and they're given the gifts of languages. That's the meaning behind the gift. Why did God give the gift? Hey, let's put two and two together. They're told, number one, go ye therefore into all the world, and now I have the ability to communicate. I have the gifts of languages. That's the meaning behind the gift. And that's what speaking in tongues is really all about. It's about speaking in a different language to communicate the gospel. It was, the, again, it was the most common gift given back then because, you know, Communication is important. We don't have that problem today, really, but it was a problem back then. So it was a very common gift given to the people, the disciples back then. But it says, then laid they their hands on them. Now, our church, this is something that we practice when a person is baptized. Again, you lay, after, after baptism, the person comes up out of that water and you lay your hands on that person and you say, God, this person stands before you clean. The angels are rejoicing in heaven because one dirty sinner has repented of their sins. And now I ask you, Father, to give this person a portion of your Holy Spirit, your DNA that will transform over a lifetime this man or woman standing before you.
You know, we had a guy in our church that he felt like his baptism had been a true baptism of repentance. And, but he never went through the laying on of hands because he had never heard of it. And he came to us and said, I want you to lay hands on me for the receiving of the Spirit of God. So the actual baptism was many years earlier, which he thought was a baptism of repentance. But he came to us and we laid hands on him and asked God to give him a portion of his Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is when God tells you to do something a certain way, you better do it the way God says to do it. Uh, now, let, let's, let's consider this. What does God's spirit, God's DNA, do once we receive it? Well, let's like it, take a look at this. In Romans 12 and verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're never going to be able to do this unless you have the Spirit of God inside of you. You're never going to be able to transform your mind. You're never going to be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life right now, right in the here and now. You're never going to be able to prove that. Now, you can go through all kinds of religious... i tell you what a lot of you are doing. You're wearing yourself out at church with a bunch of religious activities that your heart is really not in. And you think that is the perfect and good will of God. No. No. I mean, churches are notorious for doing this. If, they, if, you, are, if you volunteer, they will grab hold of you and get you doing all kinds of religious activities. But I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you having the Spirit of God inside of you. We're asking, what does the Spirit of God do once you receive it? Well, this is what it does. It transforms your mind so that you can prove what it is that God wants you to do right now in this life. That's what it does. That's why you need the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. Exodus 23 and verse 2. It says, You shall not follow a multitude to do evil. Now again, without the Spirit of God, this is all you will do. You will You'll choose the wrong kinds of friends. You'll make the wrong kinds of friends. You will have no discernment without the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. And you'll follow a bunch of crazy things and, and you know, things that are trendy. Oh, that's trendy. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's getting a tattoo. Everybody's getting a, a nose ring. Everybody's doing Oh, I'll do that. You know, everybody's jumping off the cliff now. Let's, let's jump off the cliff. You know, you'll, you'll just follow every trendy thing. You know, and this says, don't follow a multitude to do evil. I'm saying... Without the Spirit of God, you won't have the discernment that you need to discern when the multitude is evil, void of the Spirit of God. A lot of people, well, my minister said so. He says, don't follow a multitude to do evil. Well, a lot of people, their explanation, well, my minister said that, and I believe it. They know nothing about the Bible. They haven't read the Bible. They don't prove the Bible. They don't take the Bible line upon line here a little, there a little, you know. Precept upon precept, they just proof text scripture and say, oh, that, means a, that means the law has been done away. Okay. You know, no, don't follow a multitude to do evil. Without the Spirit of God, all you will do is follow a multitude of people down the wrong road, void of the Spirit of God. This is why you need the Spirit of God, so you can avoid evil. So you can avoid evil.
Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When you are coming to the land, which the Lord your God shall give thee, you shall not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. You know, without the Spirit of God, all you will do is follow the customs and traditions of the world. Well, the world says we should do this. This is how the world says we should celebrate Jesus' birthday. This is how the world says we should celebrate his resurrection. This is how the world says we should celebrate Satan. I know I'm a Christian. Well, I shouldn't celebrate Satan, but Halloween's coming up, and you know, I like it. You know, Yeah, we got, a, we got a day in our ignoramus culture that celebrates the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing, <laughs> where we can party with Satan or whatever. It's, it's unreal. But I'm just saying, without the Spirit of God, all you will do is just accept the customs and traditions of your world. You will be conformed to the world without the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. John 15 and verse 19 it says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You see, without the Spirit of God, you don't have what it takes to stand on your own two feet. Why? Because the world is going to hate you for being a Christian, a true Christian that is. The world's going to hate you. And without the Spirit, all you will do, because the world will hate you, all, without the Spirit, all you will do is just conform to your world. You'll be a man pleaser. You'll be a woman pleaser. And that's all you will ever be, without the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14. It says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? You know, without the Spirit of God, all you will ever do is make bad decisions when it comes to your friends and when it comes to relationships, when it comes to picking a husband, picking a wife. All you will do is make bad decisions because you don't have that Spirit that gives you the, the discernment to see through the facade of people. To see, through, like an onion, you start peeling an onion off and it's just a layer and another layer. A lot of people are like that. They're just layers of, of well, be, you know, be, uh, you know. They just put a bunch of layers, you know, just a layer, 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 and then you get to the end, there's nothing there. A lot of people are like that. But you see, without the Spirit of God, you're never going to see that. You're never going to have the discernment that you need. You'll go through bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship because... You don't have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. There is nothing more critical than having the Spirit of God inside of you. And there's a way to receive it. 2 Peter 1 and verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Notice that partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, there's no way in, to, to partake of the divine nature unless you have the divine nature 
on the inside of you, God's spiritual DNA. That's why I say there's nothing more critical than having the spirit of God. You can't partake of the divine nature unless you have a piece of that divine nature on the inside of you called the spirit of God dwelling inside of you. And this verse, you know, talks about escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust. How much does your lust control you? The corruption, how are you going to get free? from that addiction? How are you going to get free from that sin? How? The only answer is the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God that just sort of but when do you have the Spirit of God that God's spiritual DNA over a process of time by having it inside of you it begins to edge out and move out all that filth all that corruption all that sensual lust and evil and all the things that we struggle with it begins to push it out I mean, it begins to fill you up. It takes time. It's not overnight. That's why you need to quit putting it off. How long are you going to put it off? How hard is it to come to a point of surrender and say, hey, I want to receive the Spirit of God in my life. We put it off and we put it off and we put it off. Time is short. You don't have... You know, in this life, you don't have eternity in this life. And there's some things that God wants to accomplish in your life, through you, in you. There's some things that God wants you to overcome, obviously that, your sins, your shortcomings, you know. And you only got a small little time to do this. But it's never going to occur without the Spirit of God. You got to have the Spirit of God. Now, I want to offer you something here entitled, How to Receive the Spirit of God. Actually, there's two publications here. Uh, one is, Should You Be Baptized? And, other, and, and this one is, How to Receive the Spirit of God. This will go through a step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. It goes through the laying on of hands and why that is important. Uh, it, it's a process that chances are, if you've been in church for 20 years or 40 years, you've never had someone sit you down you know, and explain to you, this is how you can receive God's spirit. This is how you can receive God's spiritual DNA in your life that will transform you. Yeah, transform your life. It's free of charge. I will send that to you free of charge. I'm not going to sell your name to a mailing list. Basically, basically, you order this, this is what you get. Okay. Won't keep hassling you or anything like that. But how to receive the Spirit of God? You see, here's the thing. We were created incomplete. That's the way we come into this world. You're missing, we're missing a spiritual element called the Spirit of God. It's a great void is there. There's a hole in your life. And that hole, that void will exist until you do something about it. And we try to fill that void, that hole, with all kinds of things. Alcohol, drugs, women, sex, whatever it may be. I mean, we try to fill relationships. Oh, yeah, relationships. Work, workaholic. We, religion, yeah. Religious activity, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We try to fill that void every way we know. Because we know it's there. We know it's there. We know that hole is there in our life. We know that void is there. 
And I'm telling you, there's something you can do about it, and it's called receiving the Spirit of God. I don't care how much you think you've got it together. I don't care if you know, look, if you're married, you've got a wonderful family, you've got a wonderful wife, you've got a beautiful home, whatever, that void is there. And there's something you can do about that void in your life. You see, without the Spirit of God, your life is a dysfunctional mess, is what it is. Now, I know you won't admit that, but it is. It is. Now, the world may love you because the world loves its own. And the greatest mistake Christians make is assuming being led by the Spirit is the same as having or receiving the Spirit. It's not the same. It's not the same. The Spirit leads us to a point to where we have to make a decision. That's what the Spirit does. The leadership of the Spirit, it leads us to a point where we have to make a decision. And many of you have never come to that point of making that decision. Because your church led you to believe that you being there, you paying your tithes, you're going through all, you going through all your religious activity was enough. That's what your church led you to believe. It's enough. You know, you've been led to the Spirit. You come here to church. You know, you're going through the motions. But you've never been brought to that point to where you say, I, it's time for me to receive the Spirit of God. It's not enough just to be led by the Spirit. It's not enough just to be led by the Spirit. You need to receive the Spirit of God on the inside. And this little publication will tell you the step-by-step -step process for doing that. Actually, it's two. I don't have the other one here. But I'll send both of them to you. The step-by-step -step process on how to receive the Spirit of God. If This is the most critical information I offer because it's the most life-changing information that I offer. Order it today. I'm David Freeman, and remember, that's what's really in your Bible. Many people spend their whole life repeating the same old mistakes. What does it take to have good discernment and good judgment? It takes having the Spirit of God. But what many people overlook is, the Spirit of God is not something that you are born with. Man was created incomplete, missing that spiritual element that would make him complete. The Bible clearly lays out the way to receive the Spirit of God. Learn the step-by-step -step process for receiving the Spirit of God. Order your free copy of Why You Need the Holy Spirit. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.